0: This is Paul Nobles from e 2 and I am here with Perform coach Sarah Kumar. Sarah, if you wanna say hello to everyone, if you're not you know, on the call, you don't see that that Sarah actually looks like a air air traffic controller right now. She's she's got Roger some, Dodger. Yeah, she's got some Ten4. Ten four good buddy. Um, she's got some some computer issues and so she's using her son's gaming computer, which apparently which is pretty apparently is top of the line. Let
1: me yeah. tell you, I love doing journal reviews on this. He's gonna be really sad when he comes home.
0: Yeah. Only problem Every- is the only problem is is that uh the Koreans will still kick his ass in League of Legends. <laughs> you know, no matter how good his computer is. <laughs> yeah i i don't yeah. know if you guys have ever seen but they have like a uh uh you know a lot of these teams they live in houses you know and you know that their goal is to be professional um video gamers which is is kind gamers. of interesting yeah you, know, you have
1: to draft the video you're gonna have to get cool and not say video you just have to say gamer
0: gamer okay i'm i'm old you know the uh, I don't apparently I don't know how to say texting I don't know how to say Snapchat you know I don't know all these different things you know I, I say them all like an old man, um yeah the the other thing too, uh, is that, you know I was at my gym last night and we uh you know they have various kids that do training. Um, using the the CrossFit teens, but a lot of them are soccer-related. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, I mean, I I really hope that these kids, you know, end up being, like, really super good and stuff. But, you know, when you go to Argentina, the best of the best athlete in Argentina is playing football or soccer in Argentina. Right. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, That's not the case in America, you know? (laughs) And so we wonder why we're not good at World Cup and such like this. Now, what's interesting, though, is that when you see the females, okay, they are the best of the best athletes. And that's why we're good at female soccer or football, depending on where you are in the world. So, so... I just wanted to kind of touch base um, with everybody. If you have any questions, go right ahead. One of the things that I wanted to talk a little bit about, though, because I don't know if you guys have seen, you know, the fat loss course. Uh, we have a fat loss course that's basically in the um, in iTunes right now, and uh, we're going to have it up in Android here probably within a day or so. And you know, you can find that by. Searching fat loss course, eat to perform, probably just fat loss course. But I was thinking to myself yesterday when I was doing squats of how different my workout routine is and how I'm able to stay lean, doing much less work than I used to do and feeling 100% a lot of the time rather than 60%. A lot of the time, right? Yeah. So yesterday I ended up doing squats. Now, admittedly, you know, I've been a little, little sick. And and if you're not following, you know, I'm fairly certain most people are. I'm performance focused, (laughs) fat lossing. I am actually, you know, if you're considering joining Quick Start, I am actually detailing a lot of, you know, little anecdotes that I've been able to kind of put out there. And obviously you would get that with group coaching as well. Right. And so Sarah will answer some of these questions because people are asking what is quick start and stuff like that. So yes. as we're, as we're talking, she'll answer those. But, you know, yesterday, you know, a guy asked me, it was really funny. So I walk into the gym, I start loading up the bar, I'm ready to squat. And he's like, cool. Are we doing squats today? I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but I'm doing squats, you know, because it's kind of one of these you can do the wad or you can do open gym. And I would say probably 90 percent of the time I end up doing open gym. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I'll be deadlifting or squatting. And uh, I'd say two times out of the week, you know, I'll end up doing some level of high intensity work or one of the CrossFit wads kind of depending on. Um, you know, whether or not it, you know, fits my goals. But the other thing that I do that I don't think a lot of people do is I walk. And I walk up to five miles a day, you know, depending on the day. Now, I don't do it every single day. But, you know, I would say I do it probably four days a week. And when you think of it, you go, wait a second, it sounds like you walk four days a week. And you just kind of squat and deadlift, and then you might do a lot twice a week. Yeah, pretty much nailed it. I mean, it's like really super simple. And I think what's happening is is that people go, now, you know, nobody's going to confuse me for, well, really, Brad Dieter, <laughs> <You know? laughs> where he's like posting up the ab shots and stuff like that. I mean, I definitely have abs. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely fit, but... You know, like I said, no one's confusing me for, for George Clooney anytime soon, and that's okay. You know. Um, we do. Yeah, I'm sure. But um, so, I, I think that a lot of times when people are first starting off, they sort of get overwhelmed with what kind of strength program should I be doing, and you know, what kind of you know this and that. It's like the biggest piece of what I do as it relates to energy expenditure is I keep my engine going. And a lot of that is is the walking, you know, not every day do I walk unweighted. Some days I walk um, with a ruck. So, you know, that's just something that I've evolved to. But if you had asked me, you know, that routine and how that routine works, you know, early on, you know, I would say there's no way you would be able to stay lean doing that. And some of it is obviously, you know, just staying lean and, and being lean in that process. But, you know, the, um, I, I think if you are new and all of this is overwhelming, it actually can be quite simple. When you break down the pieces, and actually, that's a little bit of what we're doing with the the fat loss course app. You know, we're trying to kind of show people, "Hey, look, here are the ideas, and you can execute them." Right. I'm seeing the questions coming in from people. If you guys could kind of like make the questions a little more concise, um, <laughs> that would be good. You know, um, it's,
1: not good with the novels.
0: Yeah, well, it just becomes kind of hard to manage. Well, uh, so
1: the first one you kind of addressed, okay. where Talk starting out is overwhelming. where What would you suggest focusing on starting off? So, and What are the resources we absolutely need to read or
0: watch? Okay, so basically in the, in the Fat Loss Course app, the first video I do is prioritize and execute. And so if, as an example, your goal is fat loss, right? And you want to get to some potential end of the road but you're sleeping three hours a day, your biggest problem isn't fat loss, it's the three hours of sleep a day, right? And, you know, if you're overly reliant on convenience foods, you know, your biggest priority is meal prep, right? And as you break things down into those smaller components, and then you're able to just file those away, then all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier. I will also say... Don't allow yourself to say, I'm so overwhelmed or I'm confused because ultimately it's really kind of putting yourself as if you are a victim to life circumstances. And I'm saying this from a personal standpoint. What I wanted to do was to be told something specific or to eat a box system and then, you know. End up shredded and kind of get there, and each form really doesn't work like that. Obviously, I'm sitting here telling you um, that you know the truth, right? Um, and and for the longest time, you know, feeling you know a lot of times, I, you know, I, I would say that I felt pretty broken. Like, why is this not working for me? You know, why is the do more eat less model not working. I don't know what that, that, uh, that clicking is, but let me sleeping. Yeah. I don't know, but
1: I'm going to show you guys here really quick on the, um, this, the app, this is, this is our app and it right here, it's steps one and two videos. Where do I start? You know, executing, getting started is right on that front page. As soon as you get that to
0: perform at most of you most of you guys are members you know i mean for an extra seven dollars it just kind of walks you through the process but also gives you a lot easier access because you know there's a lot of people that go man i rely on facebook a lot and i'm not getting a lot of the stuff that you guys put out and i really like it but you know, I don't really know where to go. So this allows you to kind of know where to go. And I would say probably 60% of the content is designed specifically for that course. So um, there you go. Next question, Sarah.
1: So um what is Quick Start? How is it different than other memberships?
0: The biggest difference for for Quick Start is that We give you all the information right from the beginning, the books, walk you through the process, right? kind of get you establishing a baseline. Quick Start is like an extra level of support. If you want the truth, the real reason why people buy Quick Start, certainly more access, but it definitely comes down to the deficit cycles. You know, they know they need more help with the deficit cycles. It really isn't even the deficit cycles because, you know, I often say that if I told any of you guys that you need to lose 10 pounds, you know, or we're cutting off your leg, you'd lose 10 pounds, right? But think about where your failure points have been, you know, your whole life. It really is kind of reacclimating after that deficit period. And so that's really what kind of Quick Start does. But if you're new you know, quick start allows you to kind of establish that baseline. And so like in the fundamentals classes, I think we do maybe three a month. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever listen to like a Thursday night podcast or the Saturday morning podcast, those are quick start classes. And so right. so we actually, you know, end up doing about eight of those. And then, you know, some, some people, if you look at it and you wanted to differentiate it from Group coaching is basically group coaching light. One of the things mm-hmm. that has come up a little bit is, you know, honestly, the forums kind of doesn't work for me because I'm mostly on Facebook, blah, 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 blah. That's another example of why Quick Start would be a good right. there's a forum specifically for there. It absolutely is OK for questions. And people go, well, why can't I just ask questions, you know, in the meal planning group? Well, it's a meal planning group, you know, right. but we did do, we did do, um, you know, a Facebook group at one point and, you know, someone would ask a question that was really relevant to their journey. And then there's like five Willy Wonka memes that buried it. You know what I mean? <laughs> everybody's like, oh man, that Willy yeah. Wonka meme's so awesome, you know? And, and so it, it just really doesn't set up well. Because Quick Start is really sort of a smaller um, audience, we're actually able to have conversations with you guys a little bit easier.
1: Right. And so James is asking, he signed up for Quick Start. What do I need to do to get the most out of it? Hopefully that helps. You should be in that <coughs> ETP for Life group, right? Isn't that where you've got Quick Start? <coughs> and also in the forum, there's a section – specifically for you
0: there's not just a forum i mean there's a lot more resources there and you can obviously get more attention from coaches in that respect but yeah so i'll answer another question that he asked later on real quick what is a deficit cycle it's basically where you're eating at um where your calories are lower than your calorie balance Right. Yeah. I mean, if you want to call that dieting, that's what it basically looks like. How do you okay. know how do you know when to do the deficit cycle? Well the question is is have you had a baseline at this point? And what's that baseline and how long have you been there and have you been weight stable at that baseline? Right? That's the Right. Answer. That's which the that answer. probably
1: answers Aaron's question. I understand we're working up to our calories and macros in the overall program. How long do we do that before we work toward losing fat?
0: It really depends, okay? And I would say that the biggest factor is how long have you been dieting? And so if you've been dieting since you were 12 years old, it might take you a while to kind of reestablish what is normal for you, right? Now, there are instances where an athlete can come in and they could start like a performance focused fat loss cycle in two months. That's not common, right? Um, I will say that both Sarah and I are in performance-focused fat loss cycles. We have done performance-focused fat loss cycles in the past, but I've never done one with a year of not dieting under my belt. right? Mm -hmm. So all throughout this process, going from 230 pounds to 150 pounds, I've never actually taken a full year off. Right now my performance focused fat loss is going phenomenally mm-hmm. and you, the temptation would would be for people to go, yeah, well that's because of the lower calories. No, it's because of the work that I did on that year. So if you you know if you've been dieting for a long time and, and you're coming out of a dieting cycle and you want fat loss, you know there is no magic math out there. But from our standpoint, if we can kind of walk you through the habits, get you to establish a baseline, there is really no one putting – there's no company out there putting the emphasis on a baseline the way that we do. And mm-hmm. because of that, we're actually able to get more people, more, sustains, more sustained success over time.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Marlo, is there a training log online in my forum account where we can keep track of our workouts as well as weight measurements and photos? Yes, in the forum, you can create your own training log. And we encourage you to do that. Create a journal. Um, there is in the forum uh, a place to do that. And I can post that as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, me so... an example. But there's also, you know, once again kind of getting to quick start. Okay, there's basically three spots for journals. There's the training journal and the forums, then there's kind of the, the journal that's almost set up, like I say, group coach light group coaching light. And then group coaching is like a whole nother level of journaling, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we're really trying to kind of piece together the whole picture. You know, if you're got it mostly figured out. You know, the basic membership or quick start is probably going to be just fine.
1: Mm -hmm. Super confused about my macros. I'm used to being told exactly the amount of food to eat. Example, a cup of chicken, half a cup of sweet potato. How do I figure this out?
0: Well, we are giving you very specifics in terms of macros, so I'm I'm not understanding the question. Do you understand what she's saying?
1: I do, and I think it's probably – I'm assuming – Uh, Jocelyn is not familiar with maybe my fitness pal and logging food. Um, because once you have your macros, like you need to just get in and start logging your food and it will make sense to you. For example, if you log one cup of chicken, you're going to see it's so many grams of protein, which then you've got your macros. So that's going to count against your macros and fulfill that portion of your protein macro
0: I see I see when so she's she's kind of talking about the palm of chicken thing
1: yeah just how to I think she's wondering how to correlate here's my macros but I think in terms of a cup of chicken but instead a cup of chicken when you put that into my fitness pal will tell you it's this many um, grams of protein yeah, so and then just, it relates to your map. Just
0: to be clear, we're not aligned with MyFitnessPal. That's just one logger out there. Um right. and you could use any logger that you want, but a lot of people do use that because it's the most popular with the biggest database at the moment. Is that does that and, answer your question? I don't.
1: I'm not saying if she's responding. Okay, not not but, a problem. I, she said yes, it yeah. does
0: answer her question. Oh,
1: perfect. Okay. Got my calorie plan for the next 12 weeks. Am I just supposed to follow that? Is there more to ETP than that? Of course there is. How do I get the most out of the community and strength in numbers people?
0: Yeah, I would say, I would say there is more to it. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of times when people start off, we'll, we'll start people off kind of conservatively. Now, You know, you might look at the plan and go, well, wait a second, you're setting my calories at 2,100 calories, you know, but, you know, that seems like a lot of food to me, you know, because I've been eating, you know, 1,300 calories, right? But one of the things that we sort of encourage people to do, especially if they're kind of inclined to more activity, is to really kind of push that number and kind of see where they can stay weight stable and ultimately kind of add food in that process. And the reason why we do that is not just because we want to like, you know, we're not like in with, you know, the Rice Krispie (laughs) Treat people or something like that. But what we're trying to do is get you to a point where as you walk through these deficit cycles eventually, you're able to get more success easier. What we find is that most people are able to be more adherent and be the least amount of uncomfortable. One of the things that we talk about a lot is something that that I don't think Mike coined it, but he says it often is the minimal effective dose. And so if, you know, just you know, an extreme example would be if if you were to burn four thousand calories a day but eat three thousand calories a day, you'd probably be able to stay Fairly adherent to that way of doing things. The only problem is, is you might be sore a lot. <laughs> you know, you'd be tired. You know, you'd be taking naps and stuff. So, what we need to find is kind of like that compromise that that works without always going to okay, starvation's the answer, right? Because ultimately, most of you wouldn't be here if starvation was in fact the answer.
1: Right, and I would say, James, too, keep asking questions. You have the forum. We ask questions, that's really what it's about. The more questions you ask, the more you're gonna understand it.
0: And didn't so he say that he has, has quick start?
1: start? Yeah, I don't know if, if he I is, mean if he has
0: quick start, then obviously he's got more access to Yeah. You know.
1: So don't be afraid to post questions. I think people sometimes feel that way. Like they're not sure if it's okay. It's kind you of they should a, always ask questions.
0: It's kind of interesting because you know, we have this training group for you to perform. There's only like 3000 people in it and almost no one ever asks any questions in it. You know, I mean, guys, look, here's the deal. You know, we can't make you ask questions. You know, we try to put out podcasts, things of that nature. You know, we have roughly, you know, 12 of these kinds of interactions weekly. We have forums, we have groups, I honestly can't think of what we could possibly do more. You know, Mm -hmm. we're certainly trying, you know, we're always trying to make the product a little bit better, but you know, at the end of the day, it comes, you know, there's gotta be a give and take.
1: Right. And I think that, um, Aaron's next question is perfect. It'd be perfect for the training group. How much exercise is the minimum? I go to orange Theory three to four times a week includes weights and i walk other days should i be doing more weights to participate in etp i feel like reading the forums that people are doing serious weightlifting and i'm not a serious weightlifter i really don't even know how to lift weights
0: (laughs) yeah so i would not consider orange theory a weight training program as an example can you do eat to perform without um without weight training i did it um mm-hmm. before i ever lifted a weight you know i went through these performance focused fat loss cycles before we actually called them performance focused fat loss cycles and there's actually a picture of me on the internet you know kind of with that skinny fat look and you know it was really kind of the weight lifting that brought the muscle that gave me a little bit more of the look that i wanted But from the standpoint of going from 230 pounds to 162 pounds, I did that, you know, with training very similar to Orange Theory. You know, now does that mean that you're going to get the look in the mirror that you want? You know, it might, it might not, right? For me, it wasn't. You know, I wanted to have a little bit more muscle. And so from that standpoint, the, um, the, the uh, resistance training or getting more serious about my weight training does make a difference. Now, I would make the argument that having more variance to the way that you train, you know, I think that if you look at Orange Theory, you know, they really kind of focus on kind of higher heart rates, longer intensities, things of that nature. You know, I just told you that basically my biggest piece tends to be a walk or a ruck, both of which are not high intensity. They're just really focused on long. I typically do it in about an hour and I do not pay a $65 a month subscription to do so. You know mm-hmm. so I would ask you to think of that, you know, is what can you do that is a little bit smarter rather than always resorting to harder, right? I mean, we we hear this from a lot of our CrossFit people. You know, I walked into CrossFit. This was my experience, actually. You know, walked into my CrossFit gym, and I was like, oh, my God, this looks like the hardest thing ever. Clearly, this is going to be the answer. Then two years into my CrossFit journey, you know, it was a bit of the answer if I viewed the question differently. But when I walked in that door, you know, the amount of hard work, you know, it, it it just changes in your perspective as it relates to mm-hmm. what is hard you know so like as an example for orange theory right now you might find that that works great for you and then two years into your journey you go you know what i would like to try some of this weightlifting, or maybe i want to go to a little bit more of yoga focus or maybe i want to do you know even form is based on total daily energy expenditure. Basically, you know, I say this kind of jokingly, but you could be a chain-smoking alien and total daily mm-hmm. energy expenditure applies to you. It's just a matter of, you know, some level of trial and, trial and error to figure out where your body wants to be and mm-hmm. allowing yourself mentally to get there.
1: Mhm. I usually work out first thing in the morning. What would you suggest I eat before bed?
0: I uh, usually I want to have, you know, for myself, uh, especially when I'm working out early am, uh, I'm probably gonna have kind of a a you know lean meat and the starch, you know, maybe something like a sirloin with mashed potatoes. and I would probably have some kind of dessert, you know that would be a little bit more starchy in nature not necessarily something like fruit, which is gonna prioritize a little bit more of mm-hmm. um, liver glycogen replenishment, but maybe something a little bit more like rice pudding, uh, rice checks with uh, with protein is something. You know, it sort of depends on what, you know, how you eat. You know, if, you, if you're a vegetarian, then some of this might not apply. If you're, you know, um, trying to eat mostly whole foods, maybe some of this might not apply. But, you know, rice, rice pudding would be a, a, a real good example of, of a food that I would think would work there.
1: Um, what is the Fat Loss Course app? And we um, talked about this, but if you search, if you go to your phone applications, your apps, if you Google Eat <coughs> to Perform, if you put that in your search, it comes right up. Fat Loss Course, Eat to Perform.
0: Yeah. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to say to um, to the last question is there is a lot of advantage to caffeine um, in the morning, and so if you can like you know triple espresso it up, I think you'll like the result as it relates to your workouts, um, especially being loaded up from the night before. Then of course you want to have some level of protein and uh and carbohydrates post-workout a lot of people listening to that kind of hear you know um, whey protein and some kind of liquid carbohydrates the good majority of the time that's not how i do it um i'd say i probably do it a little bit more like that around performance focused fat loss but you know not not really you know mostly i try to get whole foods mm-hmm.
1: Um, James, I don't know if we addressed this, but he just said he's lifting CrossFit style three days a week, training for a sprint triathlon, and he wants to lose weight.
0: And he wants to what?
1: Lose weight.
0: Right. Um, The thought process as it relates to training for something is that you'd be better off having the energy rather than taking away the energy. So usually what I would say to someone with a fat loss goal is don't do it while training for something, you know, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you could say to me, well, Paul, didn't you just do the CrossFit Open? I did, but I wasn't very good at it. (laughs) Um, And, and uh, you know, it wasn't a primary goal as I go into June as an example where I'll be training for the Granite games. Then I will 100% not be in a deficit cycle at that point, you know, because I'm trying to up my level of intensity and my workouts. The you got you you do sort of have to pick, you know, um, unless you want to really be really horrible at the competition, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of what you're talking about requires a good deal of energy. Now, could you potentially lose weight while upping that volume? Yes is the answer, right? I mean, you know, I basically described to you, you know, how I was able to, um, you know, go from 230 pounds to 160 pounds, you know. Was I in a deficit some of that time? Absolutely, you know. And then sometimes I was in a more specific deficit. But, you know, uh, when you talk about weight loss, fat loss, You know, really the goal is to be, you know, the goal of exercise is to to get better at exercise, right? And it's very hard to do that when you're in a deficit cycle, you're sore a lot, you're struggling to sleep, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All these different types of things. So it sounds like you have a lot of goals and I would ask you to maybe whittle (laughs) it down a bit.
1: James actually just – he also said he's been part of a boot camp gym that has kept them at 2,000 calories for almost two years, not losing fat. Their only answer to me was I wasn't following the diet 100%.
0: Yes, and that is a very – that's
1: why he's here because it wasn't working.
0: Yeah, so that's a very common response from people who don't understand basic exercise physiology is – it's not it's not us, it's not our bad plan, it's you, right? And you won't see us defaulting to that. You know, but at the same time, we will kind of give you sort of ideas. One of the things that that I've heard from a gentleman named Alan Aragon that I think really applies to your situation is that when you are plateaued, it's a great time to realize it's time to go back Okay, because the only other option is to go lower, and you know when you go lower, there's lots of dysfunction that can happen that way. For you to be sitting at two thousand calories, I mean, do we know? Do we have any idea what his um, his weight is? Right. So okay, so he he just told us. Yeah, so he just told us his weight. Um, if you're at two thousand calories and you're 240 pounds, okay? I'm eating right now in a performance-focused fat loss cycle, 2,200 calories. Um, And actually, yesterday, I had 2,600 calories and ended up being weight stable. So if I'm 180 pounds, and I'm 5'8", and you're 240 pounds eating 2,000 calories and not seeing a result, You know, that to me is a strong argument for you to normalize for a good bit. So, you know, for you to say, well, I've been dieting for the last two years and I, you know, I want fat loss. best way for you to get fat loss at this moment is going to be using that work volume to increase your lean mass. You know, now might you put on a little bit of weight in that scenario? truthfully if you if you're having you know that level of work you know it's very possible to stay weight stable so now all of a sudden let's say that you we go from 2,000 calories to 3,000 calories you stay weight stable and in that process you're doing more and better work that's how lean mass happens Mm -hmm. right so uh i would just say you know be cognizant of your training you know um and and And
1: james yeah that eat to to perform for life facebook that is where paul is talking about that's where your extra information is
0: yeah so like daily daily i've been doing kind of an update um but um yeah
1: Jesslyn, does my Fitness Pal represent my macros? It hasn't changed since I started. Do I need to adjust this? Um, it can. You can set your goals to represent your macros. You don't need the premium version to do that. Um, you will want to adjust it unless you're just gonna, you know, know what protein, fat, and carbs you're supposed to be hitting each day. But it would help you to put it adjust your
0: goals. I would argue that the best reason for upgrading the premium membership right now through my is their their restaurant locator. Like mm-hmm. the the setting, the macros and stuff like that, I thought was nice, you know. But the restaurant locator, you can actually find a restaurant. So let's say that that you didn't have a chance to meal prep and you want to find out where you can find food. It'll actually pan near you, it'll show you restaurants, and it'll show you all the nutrition information for those restaurants. So to me, that's, awesome. that's the biggest reason. Um, you know, why premium So mine makes does, it, does a it and I'm
1: not premium.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I've got
1: the locator, it's not premium. I haven't paid anything. Can you even see it? I love how
0: you're like showing your screen. You know what? and it's April, a podcast do
1: this all the time when we were in our calls we'd be like as if you can even see it i know you can't see it what but i you... don't pay for the premium wait, 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 wait. I do.
0: let's go back let's go back there just a second what are you trying to say are you trying to say i'm old what are you going with this
1: that you can't see it
0: yeah i feel like i can i can see fine sarah look at <laughs>
1: look at there it is
0: okay it's a podcast sarah we got to kind of keep talking that's how that needs to work Great. <laughs>
1: How do you know then for yourself personally, if you're at baseline for a specific amount of time and not gaining weight?
0: Yeah, that's how you do it. You know, yeah. but, but what happens for most people though, is they don't really push the top end, right? So when right. you, when you think about your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, where basically you just get up out of the chair more or you walk around more or you're naturally more energetic what a lot of people don't realize is that is dramatically affected by the amount of food that you eat on a daily basis so let's say that you were eating 2200 calories you were baseline you were weight stable now all of a sudden you know you go you know what paul keeps talking about pushing the top end. I wonder if I would be weight stable at 2,400 and then voila, you are, right? Because you're you're able to kind of do more things, you have more energy for stuff and your workouts are better. So now all of a sudden when we start looking at a deficit, the norm is 2,400 as opposed to 1,700 or whatever it would be. The basic calculation that virtually everybody uses is 500 calories a day. As an average, to lose one pound a week, right? Mm -hmm. And the more aggressive that you get with that, the more sort of dysfunction that can happen. You know, sleep gets negative, you know,
1: Mm -hmm. um,
0: to the extreme. Yeah,
1: I'll tell you, I am not sleeping. That is one thing that I've been, you know, successful as far as dropping weight, like we've talked about. I am not sleeping.
0: So should I show you my my um no, my my I phone? Saw it in
1: half hours. Yeah.
0: yeah. The um, but but my sleep has been fine. Uh, I've I've argued that Sarah's being a little too aggressive, but you know, um, she's I just cause I am name. jealous because she's lost <laughs> more weight than I have. But actually, you know, my mine is right on plan. You know, and and that's a little bit like James will and see And that's that matters. Up. Yeah. James will see what I'm talking about in the group. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. New questions. Marlo,
1: working up to baseline TDE, what should I be looking for in monitoring my weight up, down, stable? And should I be getting with my coach when I see any major changes?
0: Yeah, there was there was some discussion of like, would you be assigned a specific coach? e to form is group coaching format. So the idea is that if – Sarah's not around. You can talk to Paul, or you can talk to the other sixty Eat to perform coaches, and basically right. we can kind of follow the conversation. So that's the argument for having journals and some more interaction rather than asking these random questions where we don't really know you guys all that well. You know, the more yeah. we know you, the better we can give you better information that we can give you. Um, in terms of, you know, am I weight stable? One of the things that happens for a lot of people when they first start off, they've been fairly rigid as it relates to the way that they think about eating. And so they get kind of introduced to this idea of you could be a little bit more flexible and they remember how much they like pizza. And <coughs> and then, you know, they start hearing from their friends, girl, you don't need to worry about the scale. And then... Then they go to the doctor three weeks later and they'll, you know, they figure out that all that pizza and ice cream actually does equal more weight on the scale. So what I would suggest to people is this would go whether you start eating form, whether you start weight Watcher, whether you start in anything. Anytime you're making major changes, you kind of want to track the data points, you know. Now, you don't want to be obsessed with the data points. But that's
1: what journaling is great for. Yes. I mean, I would encourage everyone to create a journal for yourself.
0: Yes. You
1: can do it in the forum. Easily call it your training on journal. Journal every day. This is my weight. This was my burn. It's just good stuff for you to be able to look back on.
0: And when people are honest with themselves, like I like I said, you know, as as – you know, I started reaching out, you know, one of the first people that I started talking to was Mike Nelson. And he started talking to me about journaling. And he started talking to me about keeping track of things. And if I was honest with myself, I didn't do that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And if I did that stuff, I would have been in a better position. And I would have been more enlightened. The problem was, is I wanted to be told what to do. And then I wanted to do it. Well, Mm -hmm. we can sort of get you on that path. But really, you know, e is more of a teach you how to fish program rather than here's your fish, you know. Right. And, you know, once again, I don't think a lot of people in, I mean, the statistics show that the here's your fish programs don't work, you know. Right. And, you know, I would say on percentage, we've been able to get more people a lot more success when they're active participants.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say ju- in group coaching, it alone, I think there are more revelations that people see, and there's more success with the people that actively
0: journal. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of, kind of. If I'm listening, and I'm you guys, you're like, oh man, you know, I don't want to do all that journaling, and I, you know, I don't know if I can afford group coaching, but I want to be able to benefit from the information you do if you look at where each form was before group coaching and where we are now it's been leaps and bounds because the more people that we've been able to acutely help the more and the better information we've been able to bring you guys you know um i would say you know you know it's hard to quantify how much better we all are, but mm-hmm. being able to interact with more people on a daily basis has been a, is been a major boost forward.
1: Yeah. Erin um, is asking, do you think there's anything that needs to be different for people that have thyroid issues? She has Hashimoto's.
0: Yeah. Um, first of all, talk to your doctor. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, and, and while I didn't have a Hashimoto's, I did have hypothyroid. If you look at you know long-term dieting, right? You know the connection with Hashimoto's. You know you'll have to do your own research on that. And I, I definitely don't want to sit here on a podcast, you know, on a Wednesday at twelve and fifteen, and say there's an absolute connection. Honestly, I don't know the research on it. But I can tell you this. Basically, your thyroid will downregulate a lot as it relates to being in dieting cycles often. From my personal experience, I was diagnosed, diagnosed hypothyroid, and I went on medication and quickly went off medication as I started to add more food into my equation. So basically, As I was able to upregulate my thyroid function, I had no need for the medication at that point. Since then, it's been roughly, I'd say, five years since I was tested. And like I said, you know, I mean, I've been fairly open about my dieting history and how aggressive it was at times and how, you know, sometimes it set up some bad behavior. But All that extreme dieting, all it did was land me with a a less functioning, uh, less functioning thyroid. And when I started adding food back into the equation, it was helpful. Is that going to be the answer for you? It's hard to make an argument where eating an adequate amount of food for what you do isn't helpful, right? Under any scenario, right? It's also hard to kind of make an argument why starvation would be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how you, you know, what that looks, as it relates to, you know, fats, as it relates to carbohydrates, and how your body uses those fuels, that's ultimately what we're trying to figure out for you.
1: Okay. Marlo is asking on recovery day: should I be consuming mostly slow digesting carbs? And it will take me a couple of weeks to work up to my baseline recovery macros should i scale back slightly on carbs in the meantime on my recovery days until i get to my baseline recovery macros
0: you basically just described the way that we did it in the beginning and that's actually how sarah you know sarah was not always living the life of an eat to perform coach she was at one <laughs> point a client of eat to perform and yep. so what, what we called it at that time was a gradually awesome approach. And gradually awesome approach, basically, and I just want to answer the one question first before we start talking about the gradually awesome approach, because I think it is a, it, it is a great way for a lot of new people. Um, everybody's kind of in a hurry to get to that fat loss part, but <coughs> the more patient you can be, the better off, especially if you're coming from a history of, dieting in the past um in terms of slow di- digesting carbohydrates yes i would suggest that if you go, you know you're you're going to want to have a moderate amount of carbohydrates on those days you know slow digesting would be good hold on one second guys <coughs> so you're in, pretty good with that mute button yeah so in in terms of you know gradually awesome pretty easy to describe the good majority of the time you are you know at tdd at td or close and then you use your rest days to be lower in fats um potentially a little bit of a deficit sort of like you know some of the questions that have been asked already how do i stay weight stable when eating more food like it doesn't seem to be logically make sense but people don't realize you know they're like laying on the couch you know (laughs) exhausted you know they don't feel like getting up and doing anything all of a sudden you you add food to the equation and and you know like sarah's saying (coughs) um you sleep better Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the time too and your mood i mean i think your mood is a huge bonus
1: to getting there
0: well, yeah, and then some people talk about even more extremes where, like, their nails get brittle, they start losing hair and stuff like this. The, you know, those things all, you know, it's favorable as you start to eat more food. But here's the other thing, too the more you do something, the more that becomes the norm for your body. So if I was Sarah and I'm sitting there having three hours worth of sleep, I got to fix that sleep before I get back into fat loss mood. Now yes. that doesn't mean that I'm going to chalk everything and I have no goals, but it does mean that you are in jeopardy of your body realizing that that's the norm. That's probably mm-hmm. a little bit of what most of our under eaters experience, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, I don't understand, you know, I'm eating 1100 calories and I'm not hungry. Well, it's, partially because you're, like, living on a consistent diet of chicken and kale and you've kind of, you know, negatively affected your hunger signaling. And so we need to kind of add some things in. You know, there is sort of this demonization of, you know, energy-dense foods that I think is sort of a a negative. I mean, you know, when we're talking about thyroid function and, and stuff like this, you know, some of those foods actually improve thyroid function, right? Because it's going to send a signal to upregulate everything. And so most of that is fairly well documented. We've actually put a lot of stuff out on science-driven nutrition. If you're not familiar, I mean, science-driven nutrition, I mean, Brad is doing a killer job over there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Eat to Perform where we're really trying to talk to people, you know, kind of where they're at. But what happens is, as people start to explore each Perform part, they're like, "Man, I would really like to know more about this." And um, and the other thing too is that if uh, you're not familiar, you can Google "Ask Dr. Brad" on the Eat Perform channel um, on mm-hmm. YouTube, and Brad's been putting up kind of two or three videos a week. I think we have probably five or six now, you know. But you can always tag Brad. And say, hey, in ask Dr. Brad, is there a way that you can, you know, talk about, you know, thyroid function and dieting, you know, and he'll do like a five minute video on it. And, and mm-hmm. my guess is you'll, you'll be like,
1: ding, ding, ding.
0: You know, a lot yeah. of them are really good.
1: He's got awesome resources. By the way,
0: all the, all the ask Dr. Brad's, you know, we're putting in the app. So, you know, you have mm-hmm. access to that. And, you know, I've kind of slowly entered those in. Because some of them a little bit more advanced, and I don't want like somebody, you know, on day one, you know, getting a video related to creatine. You know, um, <laughs> that's that's probably more like a day fourteen thing.
1: Um, um, Aaron is asking, how close to bed are you supposed to eat your before bed meal if you're working up in the morning?
0: That really depends on the individual. You know, um, I would say, you, you know. As an example, you know, I ended up having my dinner eight thirty one night. Just didn't work out that well. Probably woke up at one thirty and couldn't get back to sleep. So for me, you know, my habits tend to be around six to seven o'clock. Now, you know, there's cultures that eat their dinner really late. You know,
1: mm-hmm. my culture in my house is we always eat late, but wrestling and theater and kids stuff yeah and i like to eat with my family i like to have a dinner time together
0: yeah um but like i would say you're probably easier you know something like a, you know like i was saying rice pudding you could probably get away with pretty late you know but yeah. steak and ma- mashed potatoes you probably want a little bit earlier but that is you know it is like sarah's saying i mean it's it's highly individual
1: yeah. And see how you feel. I mean, I, it's fun to experience. I think the best part, and, and I know we're almost done, but I would say the best part and you guys should really explore with eat to perform is experimenting with yourself. We will say, you know, this is what works well for most people or what works well for me or for Paul. Best part about it is trying different things for yourself because literally everybody is different.
0: Yeah. I mean, and I think, I think expounding upon that a little bit, you know, these classes are the best classes like every single time because you guys are asking questions because you're, you're totally new. I think people that are like three months in the process are almost a little jaded, right? They've already experimented a little bit. They've already done, maybe not as much as they would like, but they have found a little bit of a groove. You guys you're all fresh, you know, mm-hmm. and and in a lot of ways, your questions tend to be more relevant. My guess is there's probably a lot of people that have been doing Eat Perform for three months that are listening to some of the questions on this podcast and going, oh, wait, I didn't yeah. even know that, you know, and okay. it's really the new people that ask the best questions. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective... Do we have anything left, or is are we signing off? All right.
1: James, yes, yeah, that's it.
0: All right, you guys. Well, I appreciate everybody being here. You know, like I said, you're more than welcome to attend these. You know, we used to think that there'd be 100 people in these things. You know, I think we ended up with something like 12 to 13. So, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're early on, not only do Sarah and I do them, but but Brad does them. So does April. And so you guys jump on these. It's a quick way to get going and, you know.
1: And ask questions. Yeah. Now now you know. Get in those Facebook groups. If you're a Facebook person, ask questions.
0: The other thing, too, I think is really important for you guys is maybe you came in and you bought, like, a basic subscription and you wanted to kind of feel it out and and see how things go. But then after you're in, you go, I kind of need more help, you know. That's sort of what Quick Start is is for. Now, group coaching, you know, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this later. But group coaching, we're actually having a limit to 500 people. And we're pretty much at the max right now. So, you know, there's a little part of me that doesn't even really want to bring up group coaching because it's not, you know, the demand for it is really so high. So, Anyway, I appreciate everybody being here. It's always fun doing these. It's it's literally the best class we do by far, and I think it's actually the most informative. So I appreciate everybody being here, and Sarah will get you guys a link for Quick Start, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.